You're listening to The Blind, Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and BJ in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together. This week's topic, family first, poker second. Hey, Dell, how's it going this week? It's going okay. It's going all right. It was nice to have last week off. It was really awesome to hear you and Amy, and uh, it's good to be back. How are you doing? It's kind of a mixed bag, so I should say things are good and bad. Things are good on the non-poker front. I've been working on some apps I've been developing. I worked on a Google Sheet that I used to create a YouTube video that I thought was a good idea. I don't know if other people got a chance to look at it, but I thought it was a really good way of being able to showcase how we carry our range pre-flop through the flop on different board textures, and then we show value and bluffs. So that was kind of fun to do. I got to dip my toe into video editing. That was kind of fun. And I got to play more golf this week. So that was fun. I worked out some kinks in my game. I actually shot pretty well yesterday. So that's great. On the poker front, though, I'm finding myself a little bit discouraged because I'm making the same mistakes over and over and over. And I'm realizing I'm too hard on myself. Now, you and I both know I'm the hardest one on myself than anyone. No one expects more from me than I do. It's something I need to work on. I'm not really sure how to work on that. It's totally a mental game issue, not necessarily a poker mechanics issue. And I need to find a way to study that. So what I want to do is go through our material on crafting a study plan that works for you, mental game, incentives, all those podcasts we've done months ago. And take a look at those and see if I can learn from past us. Because if past us can help future us play better, well, that's awesome. Because we're students of the game. We can also learn from ourselves, which kind of sounds weird. You know, that's really brave of you. I'm afraid to go listen to our old stuff. I'm afraid I'm going to listen. I mean, we've been doing this a little less than a year, but I'm afraid I'm going to go back and listen to it and find stuff that's so wrong that we have to redo it. (laughs) That might not be bad. We'll have more content. We can revisit things. It actually would be a good thing. It is interesting with you, BJ, because I think that the biggest problem people have in learning to be good poker players is that generally the problem with trying to get people to be good poker players is trying to get them to accept accountability for the decisions they're making in the game. With you, it's just the opposite. You try to take accountability some places where it's got nothing to do with you. And I'm not saying you're not making the same mistakes. You you are. You you tend to project your thought process onto your opponents over and over again. I'm interested to see how that's going to evolve over the next few weeks, and I wish you luck with it. Well, thank you. Another thing that people struggle with is finding time to fit poker into their family lives. And we wanted to talk about that this week, putting family first. I mean, poker is about life and priorities. It's choices. We always choose what to do. And in the infinite wisdom of Rush, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And, and we're adults. We know how to make good choices. We know how to set priorities. And it's still hard for us to balance poker and family. So we wanted to talk about that this week. So I, I want to just disagree right off the bat. I can't believe this. You said we know how to. And I would say we should know how to. Okay, that's fair. You know, I think that's that, fair. I think that there, therein lies part of the problem is that we should know how to for adults. And we struggle with this whole thing. I saw the hand. What's up? Yeah. See, there I go, projecting my thought process again. (laughs) I know how to make good decisions in life, and I think other people should too. 
All right. Well, I think therein lies the problem is that we need to all become better decision makers and poker should help us with that. But we have so many problems around poker and family. So the thing is, is trying to resolve all these issues, right? And what are some of the issues? One of them is that poker is a super complex game. It's a game of incomplete information. It's super complex. And, and it's so complex that you're never going to play the same game twice. Every table you sit down at is going to be a different game dynamic based on the people who are playing it. And even if you have the same nine people at the same table, you're still going to have different games because those people are going to have different emotions on given days. So to study this game, to even just get good at the game, to even just get mediocre at the game, takes quite a bit of time commitment. You have to do some study. You have to do some playing in order to get good at this game. How do we do that and not rob time from our families? And we're going to talk about that later in the solutions. That's one of the problems. How do we get good at this game, learn the complexities of this game, the intricacies of this game, and not steal time from our spouses, our children, our parents, our siblings? We've released a blog post recently about three reasons why people don't study poker. And one of them is they don't want to. I'd rather play Final Fantasy VII. I'd rather play God of War. Do you realize that when I played my video games on the PS4, I put in over 100 hours playing God of War only to complete it 54%. I finished the storyline. I obviously didn't do all the side quests. I obviously didn't get all the treasure. I didn't even do the final unlocked battle, which if you go on YouTube, you can see where Kratos fights Thor. Never did that. And yet I spent 100 hours only beating the game halfway. I don't like doing anything halfway. I'm a full way kind of guy. And yet I spent 100 hours doing that. I can't find a way to spend 100 hours studying poker. It should be the same thing. So I'm robbing time for myself, but I'm also robbing time for my family. How can I arrange my schedule around my family obligations? Well, I think part of the solutions really, as in anything with your family, it's managing expectations. It's having those conversations. Poker should never come before loved ones. And my wife knows if she needs me home, if I'm at a session at Maryland Live and she needs me home, she can call me. I won't even play through my button. I'll stop right there. I'll pick up. I'll walk out. I'll say goodbye. I'm sure I'm going to get crap at the table. Wah, wah, you got to leave. Yeah, I do. My wife called me home, okay? I'm leaving. Uh, but there needs to be that ongoing dialogue. You need to have that ongoing discussion about what happens when. And, and I'll be honest, I've called in audibles three times, exactly three times, because we have criteria. My wife and I decided that if there is a living, breathing ATM at my table, a drunk whale spewing chips more regularly than Old Faithful, I'm staying until that guy either leaves or I get all his chips. And so I'll text her. And I'll be like, hey, is it okay if I stay? And I'm not going to ask a question I'm not willing to honor the answer to. So if she says no, cool, I'll go home at our normally arranged time. If she says yeah, awesome. She has never once said no. She has said, stick to the plan. That is, that is so valuable to do that. And I think, the, I think part of the problem is that people will be in the situation you're describing or they'll rationalize that they're in the situation you're describing. And it'll be a reason for them to stick around. Maybe they're down a couple buy-ins and they're thinking to themselves, but this whale just sat down. I know I can get even. Well, no, that, that's, 
that's not the time to break the plan. It's not the time to break the plan because you're hoping to get even. It needs to be well thought out. So it's great to hear you say that. And I have the same thing with my wife, but my wife goes to bed early. So there's one of the problems I got. My wife goes to bed early. So one of the things is that if that happens to me and it happens after seven o'clock, guess what? I don't get to break the rules. You know, I've done it a couple of times and my wife understood it, but she was unhappy about it because I was showing up at home at one o'clock in the morning instead of 11 when I said I would. So it wasn't worth to having that rule for me. And it's a good rule to have, by the way. If you can work that out with your spouse, you can then do that. But sometimes it's not the best thing. And, and one of the things that's important is poker should never hold more value for us than our family connections. You should never hold more value for us than that other person's feelings and emotions. Without those family ties, without our close friends, we're not going to succeed anyways. We have to devote a lot of time to this game to get good at it. That is just not anything we, we can go without if we're going to get good at the game. But that's not necessarily what every one of us needs to. Some people just need to get better than the players they're playing against. And maybe that means less time commitment. And this is all stuff that needs to be worked out with our family. And that happens through open dialogue. And that dialogue has to always be open. And I'll give an example. You can't say, I'm always playing Friday night. You can schedule, I'm playing poker Friday night. But it has to still be an open dialogue. It still has to be able to have a situation where the people in your life can come to you and say, that's not going to work for me right now. What can we do? And it needs to be a back and forth and it needs to be a fair conversation. I, I need to stress that last part because a lot of times we might find ourselves in a situation where it's like we're being told we can't do any of the stuff we need to do. Well, that's not fair. That's not fair. And we have a right to say, no, I, I need to have some time and I need to have some space for this. But that all needs to be worked back and forth. It needs to be fair. And it needs to be one of those ongoing things within our relationships. Yeah. So the reason we need to include these conversations with our spouses and our families to help us bound our poker sessions is because it brings us that accountability. But part of us honestly need that accountability to protect ourselves from ourselves. I mean, let's face it, the nature of poker is addictive. Chasing that dopamine rush of winning a huge pot is awesome. It's a lot of fun. We all know what that feels like to double up through someone. And, and like I mentioned before, we got that drunk ATM at the table. I'm not going to leave till that player is broke or they leave. But if that gets to the point where I'm missing, lunch dates with my wife, or if I'm missing my kids' sports outings, that can erode that support and the trust in, in the family unit. I remember, I will, I will never forget this example of a guy at my table FaceTiming with his son who was at a soccer match, and the father was lamenting that he couldn't be there. And let's be fair, maybe he couldn't be there. Maybe the soccer match was in a different state. I don't know what their family dynamics are. I don't know where they are geographically. Maybe he's away for business and he's playing at the casino in his free time. I don't know. But I'm thinking to myself, it's a choice. You chose to be at the casino. Could you have taken steps to make that soccer game? Maybe. I mean, I mean, if I ever get to that point, then someone's got to stop me. Someone's got to pull me aside and be like, dude. 
stop playing poker. Right. I, I think that it's important. So when I, the stuff I say here, I want to, I hope anybody listening, I don't want to put any judgment out there. I don't. I don't know what anybody else is going through in their life. I don't know why they're in the situation they're in. That being said, when I look at this from the perspective of me, like you said, we need those boundaries to help keep us under control. I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I don't have your exact quote, but, and I think that's sort of true. I think what happens is what I see is this. If we can have those boundaries in the first place, then we're not suffering from a gambling addiction. You can't make those boundaries when you're in the throes of a gambling addiction. So anyone listening to this, that you find yourself, you can't leave the table until they shut the table down or you're broke. You put off dates. You come up with excuses why you can't leave the table. You find yourself lying so you can play poker. You might have an addiction problem. I can't tell you if you do or not. People need to decide that within the context of their life. But I can tell you that if gambling is having a negative effect on your life, whether it be poker or anything else, you might need to get some help. You might want to seek out Gamblers Anonymous. It'd be a good place to start. There's gambling hotlines. And I believe that what we'll do is we'll put that in the show notes. I think that's stuff that's all important to be aware of because in the end, if we have these gambling addictions and we gamble with money that we cannot afford, or we give up family events because we're not willing to leave the table, we're stealing from our family and friends. We're stealing time from them. We're stealing money from them. That leads to shame. And one of the reasons it's important to have all this under control is this. We cannot play our A game when we're feeling guilt and shame. It's not possible. We need to be able to play poker with a clean conscience. You can't do that if you're stealing from your family. And, and let me be clear, okay? You know, some people are like, well, it's not really stealing. No, it really is. Like if it's money that's that could go towards your kids having better clothes or if it's money that could go towards making sure the light bill's paid or the rent is paid or that there's good healthy food on the table and you blow that at the poker table, you have stolen from your family. And if you miss the ball game that you could have been at, because you had to be at the casino, then you've stolen time from your kids. And you can't do that without feeling shame. Barring being sociopathic, you can't do that without feeling guilt and shame. You brought up an excellent point of playing your A game. And I want to disabuse people of the notion that boundaries are a limitation of freedom and boundaries impede your ability to play. I learned this metaphor decades ago, and it's held with me to this day. The riverbed provides boundaries for the water to flow. A puddle doesn't really have those well-defined boundaries. It's just water that fits in the shape of the hole that it's in. Which has a stronger current, a puddle or a river? The river has a stronger current, and those boundaries are what help us play with a clean conscience, help us set ourselves up powerfully for success so we can play our A game. And I'm perfectly comfortable getting up from the table at 8 p.m. on a Friday and the people around the table are like, oh, you got to leave. Why you got to leave? Blah, blah, blah. Well, because I told my wife I'd be home. I told my family I'd be home by 8.30 so we could watch a movie before bed. You know, we have reasons. And I'm not going to be ashamed 
of leaving the table at 8 p.m. just because the people around the table are going to make fun of me. I don't care. I value my family life more than I value owning them at poker. Yeah. Remember, the lion owes the sheep no explanation. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I want to dri- – go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that. so that brings up one of the, the solutions, and it's something that I've done implicitly but not explicitly, is scheduling time to study and to play. Now, I say notionally I have scheduled this time. My family knows I play poker after work on Friday, and they also know I play poker on Saturday mornings and or Sunday morning or maybe Saturday evening. And I study around the same time three times a week. It's not on the calendar. That's the tool that I think we need to incorporate here. Look, my family has a Google calendar. We share all events on it. Why am I not putting my study time and my poker sessions on the Google calendar? So everybody has cognizance of my schedule. I have right of first refusal. What that is, is if you have something on the calendar and something comes up that might conflict with it, because my event preceded that other event, I can say, hold the phone. We can't do that from eight to noon on Saturday because I have this event already scheduled. Let's talk about that. Not saying not going to happen. Just saying, let's talk about that. If it's not on the calendar, there's no forcing function for a conversation. My wife and I always forget events because they're not on the calendar. If it's not in Google Calendar, it doesn't exist. And it's kind of funny that I've never realized until this podcast that my scheduling, my poker sessions on Google Calendar would probably be a good idea. Yeah, I think that's going to be a very good solution slash tool going forward. And I don't do it, and I'm going to. The thing is that uh, I don't I don't really schedule my study time. That means that sometimes my study doesn't get done, and sometimes I get resentment because I wanted to study, and oh, by the way, something else came up, and I don't have the ability to say, well, wait a minute, this was already scheduled in. So the funny thing about that, the antidote I would have about that is that the recording for this podcast happens every Sunday at 3. And because of that, Sunday at 3 is my time, and everybody knows it. Everybody in the house knows it, so there's no problems. There's no battles or debates over it. Yeah, it's good to schedule things. Before we go into the tools here, I, I want to bring up one last group of people that we, we haven't talked about yet. And that's people who may not think the notion of family first applies to them because they're single or they don't have children or maybe their immediate family has passed on or whatever the circumstances may be. I'm going to tell you this still matters because hopefully you have friends and your friends should come before poker also. And and friends tend to be the family we choose. And if you have your parents in your life, then it's still going to matter even if you don't have a spouse. If you don't have children, it's still going to matter because there's still going to be people that you're important to and that are important to you. And those people should always come before poker. Poker is just a game. I think we often forget poker is just a game. We put so much, I mean, how many other games do you put so much time and effort into studying and get good at? Monopoly? No one studies Monopoly. Uh, Some people actually do. (laughs) If you study Monopoly, there are probably better uses of your time. If you make your livelihood figuring out how to get hotels on Mediterranean and Baltic Avenue, those rat infested two and four (laughs) dollar rent properties, gods love you. We've already talked about some of the tools here. There's planning open dialogue. We haven't really mentioned bankroll or budget management, but here's what I'll say about it. 
BJ was talking about the boundaries give us freedom, right? So does bankroll management or budget management. Not everybody has a bankroll. Not everybody needs a bankroll. If you budget a certain amount to play poker that week, that's fine. When you do that, you allow yourself the freedom to play how you want at the table. And that budget and bankroll management ensures that you're not ever taking from your life role and therefore you're never stealing from your family, your kids, your friends. Yeah, I, I love how Dan Mergel put it. Dan was a guest on our show back in episode, I don't know, seven or eight, when we were discussing conversations on being a professional poker player. And Dan puts it, a bankroll is an imaginary line between some of your money and the rest of your money, which is true. And when you have that conversation with your family on where to draw that line, don't go past it. Go up to that line. And if you, if you blow past that line, you're done. You need to go back and renegotiate. I, I don't have anything else, BJ. This has been uh, pretty awesome. I think that's good. I think we pretty much covered it. So just to recap, have those conversations, schedule your time, schedule your money. It's just like in other relationships. It's about managing expectations. I think we pretty much covered it. So yeah, thanks for joining me, Dell. It's been awesome as always. See you next week, BJ. <laughs> and until next week, stick to the plan and may all your variants be positive. This has been The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. If you haven't already done so, consider subscribing. And when you're not counting your chips, take a moment to leave the guys a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. Thank you.